You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Have you ever had a setback or injury which kept you from reaching your goal? Do you ever wonder what separates the top athletes from their less successful counterparts? Well, in today's interview, we have UCLA track coach Jennifer, who is going to share just what it takes to be at the top and how she overcame hurdles of her own. And I want you to pay close attention to what she says about the most important lessons she learned from her mentor. It's a life lesson that's vital, whether you're an athlete or not. Now, here's Coach Dorego. Welcome to the show, Coach Drago. I am happy to have you on, and I'm very happy because you decided to share your birthday with us here and be on the interview Aww, during your birthday. Thank so you. I just want to wish you a happy birthday <laughs> and welcome you to the show. So first of all, you've been head cross-country coach at Heritage High School, our local team here in Brentwood, and you've coached the U.S. Military Academy at West Point and Cal Poly, where you went. I was the uh, grad assistant. So out of your experience thus far, what's been your favorite part about your coaching career up to this point? Well, coaching is definitely something that is a passion because I feel like when you can inspire and motivate and teach someone with a passion to do something to reach their best and reach beyond what they ever thought they could do on their own, um, the level that that raises of just what that brings out in somebody, just it makes the world a better place. And just to be a little part of that is, I don't know, it's something that really gives me a thrill. Yeah. And a lot of, I think it's underestimated what it takes to compete at that level. I mean, you were a two-time qualifier at the Olympic trials. And so you kind of have an idea of what it takes to be pretty competitive. Sometimes when you're dealing with younger athletes and especially when you get the parents involved, I think it just adds a little, a different layer of dynamics, right? Yeah, it sure does. And, um, you know, I, I didn't get to where I was by just being really uh, talented and extremely gifted. I mean, I feel like to some degree, I just got there through really hard work and just a lot of the support that was around me to allow me to, to do that at any level, the, the kids or adults or, you know, young, young adults, um, they, they all have that desire, that drive in them for something and being able to pull that out of them through either encouragement or motivation or just, uh, you know, helping them see that they could be really good is, is pretty cool. And that, that motivation piece, I mean, that's, I mean, there's entire fields dedicated to this, the sports psychology, right. Of how, how to motivate one. I think at the high school level, it's kind of a different, uh, it's a different push because, um, you have to figure out their why, like what's their, why are they wanting to do this sport? Because it's really, you know, some people say it's, it's every other sports punishment and, you know, to be really good, you have to run a lot and it's a lot of hours and it's sometimes a lot of alone time. And so you have to find those individuals that really have that intrinsic drive to kind of, um, to, to, to be okay with hurting. And, um, so really when you figure out their why, then you just really buy them into the process and, you know, a lot of people are, especially this generation of, of young people, are motivated by a lot of extrinsic things. Oh, I might get a scholarship or I might get this. And and while that may get them at least started 
running. I think what keeps them running is that feeling of just self-accomplishment. And when they achieve something that nobody else is doing, um, they did it on their own. Nobody forced them. That feeling of accomplishment just builds their confidence. And, you know, they just start being able to apply all the things that they learn through running to the rest of their life, you know, commitment, dedication, and, and really just focusing on the process that you do everything that you can do one day at a time going in the right direction. And you don't have to worry about trying to get a scholarship. If you do everything right along the way, the right things will happen at the end and you'll, it'll be waiting for you. And not to say it's an easy path, but um, again, life is not always easy. It throws you hurdles, it's curveballs, and it's, it's really testing your ability to overcome. And that's, that's what I learned when I, you know, trained for the marathon is there's a lot of things. I mean, life is really a marathon and there's times in that race where you just want to quit. You want to stop, you want to sit down and have a nice big donut or something because you're so hungry and you just realize you just have to keep going one step at a time. Yeah, there's something, I guess the best word is kind of romantic about long distance running. Kind of push yourself a little bit, but it's not as strenuous as maybe that short sprint. And I used to be, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I used to be a sprinter in junior high and high school. I mm-hmm. became a little disenchanted with it once my younger brother was able to run faster than me, you know, and he he's built different than me. So he's <laughs> he's got, he's taller, he's got longer legs and without any effort or training, he just was, you know, blowing by me. And, and finally I was just like, you know what? I hate those people. Yeah. 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 I was like, fine. You know, I, if I can't be the fastest in my family, you know, I'm, I'm, I obviously didn't take that as a career, but there's, there's that huge psychological part about running. You know, now I kind of run for fun. I like, I enjoy running. Uh, My family runs, I pay for them to run. I don't pay for myself necessarily to run, you know, I'll I'll just run for fun, you know, (laughs) but you know, it it really is interesting to see this, the, the dynamic when you're running and especially that why, like you said, that's really important. So what's the most common hurdle that you come across when you're coaching at the high school level? I think it's just too much of a a full plate. High school kids want to do it all and uh, teaching them that that they're not going to be great at everything when they first start. They want to be great right away. And, you know, for those that haven't have a lot of experience, um, you're not going to be great right away. I mean, running is is especially distance running, it's a developmental sport. And, um, you know, that's, that's one thing is them trying to get over that fact that if they can persevere through the initial part of, um, whatever, you know, I guess it's, it's balancing the fact that they're not going to be great at everything, but if they just keep committed to trying that, that will kind of, um, That'll keep them going. Um, And then the other thing I would say with difficulty with high school kids is, um, you know, their bodies are still growing and sometimes they grow faster than they're ready for. And they're not quite strong enough to handle some of the, the, the stresses that they're doing physically. And so they get injured. And I think injury is probably the one thing that takes, you know, most athletes out of the game because, you know, the psychological component of injury 
and the physical aspect of the recovery part of coming back. Um, it, it takes somebody that with a really strong will and um, a drive to overcome. And uh, that's, that's a special person to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's, I, I really fell in love with treating runners at that point because, you know, I, I was able to see them actually improve and heal. And when they heal better fast, you just see that change in their, just in their being. I'm sure you've dealt mm-hmm. as, as you're dealing with these athletes, let's start with the, at the high school level, you had five league championships and three individual championships. As you're pushing those individuals, did you ever have any of them come up with an injury and, and what was that like? And how did, how did you get them through to heal? Um, Yes. I mean, injuries were, were pretty standard, you know, especially with the new beginner, beginning runners. Um, I didn't start off as a high school coach. I started off more from the collegiate, um, and professional aspect. And so I, I only ran one year in high school myself. And so I didn't have a lot of experience on what it's like to be a young high school runner. I just kind of knew it from the top end. And so teaching them mostly about the proper mechanics, I think you got to start with the fundamentals Um, and you teach them the right movement patterns so that they, when they're doing when they're running, it just comes natural to run right. Um, And then it's a progression. I mean, you can't, you have to overload a little bit, but you have to know kind of how to periodize their training and, start them from where they are um, so that they're not a brand new kid isn't running with the, the hottest kid in school and overdoing it. And then boom, they get injured. So it's really bringing them along in, in a nice steady fashion that allows them to get stronger while handling, you know, a little bit greater workloads each time and also recovery. And I think that's the one thing that I learned um, the most in coaching and as an athlete is the recovery piece. And, um, I don't believe that most high school athletes or probably college, but high school, it's a different schedule. Um, but I don't feel like they're recovering because I've seen how much they sleep or don't sleep and how much they're in school. And if they're taking most cross country runners or the high achievers taking the multiple AP classes. So they're, you know, already overachievers and, you know, study a lot and they're not getting enough sleep. And then they're out there burning the candle on, on the the track side of things and pushing their bodies physically. And that just kind of leads to kind of some overuse kind of injuries or um, even a point of staleness sometimes. Um, but the fact that I've been there and done that, I recognize it and I know kind of sense when to really back them off or, you know, decide to play ultimate Frisbee game instead of doing, you know, an interval workout. Um, the more you get to know your athletes, the better you are at just detecting something's not right. And um, sometimes I tell them, Hey, today, Today's just you go home and take a nap and that's going to be the best workout you can do. And, and really, I guess, you know, talking about injuries, I didn't have a lot of high school injuries of my athletes. Um, that was my one thing is I want you to be the best you can be, but you can only be the best you can be 
if you can toe the line and show it. And if you're sitting on the sidelines injured, you can be the, the fastest kid in the world not being able to run. So I was always a little more on the conservative side with the high school kids because, you know, they were still learning and um, I wanted them to stay healthy. And so they might've been, a, I won't say undertrained, but they, they were definitely not overtrained. And, um, and then you come to college where here at UCLA, um, I came into a team where 27 women on the roster and I was <clears throat> in meetings when I first arrived with a orthopedic doctor and, um, and another uh, medical doctor on staff that were doing work with the women's team in previous years. And um, about two thirds of them had all had stress fractures or stress reactions oh my goodness. in the last year. And yeah. And you know, the training wasn't the coach prior to me was a good coach and, you know, wasn't, didn't look like the training was, was wonky. Um, but there were some other issues that were going on that made me go, okay, for this year, if I can control it, we're not going to have any injuries. And, you know, we worked really hard. It's a, definitely a team effort with our strength people and our, you know, our doctor training staff side and all that. But um, I'm happy to say that we've not had any injuries this year. So that's terrific. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I guess you live and learn. I mean, you take kind of that integrative approach, right? You have a kind of a different approach than many coaches do. You seem to be more holistic in your methodology. Yeah, I do that. And a lot of things that I learned in my sports psychology training, I mean, I'm no sports psychologist by any means, but I do know a few tricks that have really helped. And teaching the kids how to visualize what they're going to be doing and to get their body to a state through almost a meditative state, but um, just learning how to breathe correctly and um, visualizing what their body's supposed to be doing and what's supposed to be looking like. And, you know, it sounds so basic and elementary of just teaching people how to breathe, but um, I also taught yoga um, at the high school and just realizing in teaching yoga class that students do not know how to breathe properly in a place. They don't know how to relax and just teaching them something so simple as how to have to, to incorporate their entire system with a breath and what that does to the mind and it opens the mind and it clears the mind. Um, and it's a huge tool that, that they sports psychologists use when working with athletes is, just taking that one sigh and a pause, it does so much for the body to relax, even in just that little tiny bit. And so helping athletes do that, and especially ones that deal with a little bit of anxiety and performance anxiety, pre-race kind of jitters and stuff like that, is, you know, teaching them how to be relaxed through visualization and kind of rehearsal um, well before the event actually happens. And um, one thing, some, some kids are not quite mature enough to, I mean, they want to be goofing around, but, but the ones that actually do buy in and, and don't think it's hokey pokey, 
um, they, I've seen a lot of, of improvement in them. And, you know, this last year before coming to UCLA was just an exceptional year of, you know, personal bests for every single kid on the team. And some of them, you know, lifetime bests that were seniors. Um, and then Jet Jr. that is now senior and he won the state meet 800. Um, you know, he and I worked together quite a bit on that and you never know how much it's sinking in. You never know how much they're absorbing from what you're saying, or they're just kind of giving you the nod and the lip service and you think it's going in, but it's really just kind of glazing. And, you know, he's just, he's an incredible athlete and he's, he's an extremely hard worker. Um, and he's strong. So yeah, he's, he's able to handle some of those workloads more than others, but I think one thing that helped him, um, you know, stay calm, stay relaxed, see what he wanted to accomplish was the, the mind-body connection. And it was interesting when he won the, the state meet after the race, gave me a big old hug, and I said, I said, that was, that was amazing. And he goes, Coach, it's what I've been visualizing for the last couple of weeks. And he goes, it played out just like I visualized. And to me, that was just, it gave me chills because at that moment, I realized this kid, he gets it. He really gets it. And so, um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's something that we, even as adults, we need to, we need to practice because I don't think you ever get to a point where you've, you've perfected the the point of the mind body connection it's all kind of a fluid thing and it always needs fine tuning here and there yeah no it's way easier to tell someone else how to do something the right way than to do it yourself right but Absolutely. that brings me to your story have you had a time in in your running career or experience where you have reached kind of a uh, a hurdle and you're kind of wondering, okay, what do I do or how do I get past this? And if so, how did you get past? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely it's, it's been a career, a, lo- a long career, but, um, probably the biggest hurdle that I have ever faced was in the 2008 Olympic trials. Um, I had just run the LA marathon as a training run and came off that and had another nice long run was probably still in the best shape of my life and a group of us that had qualified for the olympic trials got together and we were from all different parts of the u.s and we we said hey we want to go to flagstaff arizona to train at high altitude for a month before the olympic trials and so we rented a house and we all lived together for a month and I, on my drive out there, my back just felt really tight. Like, man, oh my gosh, I was sitting too long. And I just kept trying to fidget every which way. And finally I arrive and we get out and we go for a run. And about a hundred meters into the run, like something just felt like it broke. Like, oh my gosh, it was stabbing pain. And I literally could not move my leg. And I stopped and I hobbled back to my car and I was like, what is going on? And I thought maybe I pulled a back muscle or something, but it just 
it was one of my glute muscles. Um, I had probably run one long run too many and it ended up realizing, um, after a couple of days, got it checked out that I had tore my glute muscle and it was pretty, pretty painful. So I spent a month at high altitude cross training in the gym and having therapy and everything that I could do, not running a single step and getting to the line at the Olympic trials, knowing that, well, at least I can probably run like 20 minutes of this. (laughs) And, um, I got there, I I made it to 10 miles and it wasn't my, my glute that, that gave out. It was actually my calves that I'm a toe runner. And so just not having run for, you know, about five, five and a half weeks, my calves were uh, about ready to pop. So I called it a day and, you know, learned that, again, the injury kind of thing is, is it's going to take you out at some point if you don't address the right things. And for me, that point was not, not recover, not being recovered. And so I spent about the next four to five months kind of doing some soul searching, figuring out what I was you know, going to do. Um, I started grad school and so I was at least coaching a bit and, and trying to train, but you know, it was an injury that took me a long time. I'd never taken that much time in my whole life off of running. And so the questions and the the doubts come in is maybe you're not going to heal from this, or maybe you're not going to get to that level again. And, and, you know, you have to, you have to expose those demons and, you know, shine the light on them and, and look them in the face and realize that just, just a little tiny mouse that's making a big shadow and overcome those things because, you know, you're going to either you're going to do it or you're not, but you're, you're going to decide. And so I decided I'm, I got to keep doing this. It's not, it's not over. And so I think everything happens for a reason. And a lot of those, a lot of the things that um, I had neglected, like just stretching and um, just the proper, I guess, ancillary kind of modalities um, I wasn't doing. I was just kind of scraping those off to the side. Um, I had to do them to get better. And so it really taught me a lot more about, again, being balanced um, and learning how to, how to make sure that, that if I had something tight that I needed to really address it. And, you know, then uh, I guess at that point it was kind of like, well, are you going to do this for a living still, or are you going to actually get a, you know, a job that pays a salary and uh, benefits and all that. So um, that kind of took me to moving up to Brentwood, got a job teaching the Heritage High School um, health and PE and coaching and um, loved it, but still had that desire to train or at least coach at the high, high level again. And so that took me out uh, to a job out at, out at the military academy at West Point in New York. And um, it was there that I, I started to train again. And I trained with you know, some of the athletes sometimes and um, got myself to a point where I was in good enough shape to qualify for the 2012 trials. And um, 
it, it was a great race up until mile 23. And then uh, a lot can happen in those last three miles and ended up going from a qualifying time to just a few minutes too fa- to over and uh, missing, missing the boat by a little bit. But, um, you know, at that point I realized I gave it a good run and, um, that, you know, I could use all of my experiences that I've learned and all the mistakes I've made to help those with that same competitive drive and dedication to, to reach their greatest potential by learning from my mistakes. And, um, so, you know, I, I feel like I've had a good, a great running career. I still, you know, I'm still part of the running scene and, and that, but as far as being competitive, I think that that energy goes into coaching the athletes and, um, and just being as educated, educated as I can so that I can help develop them into being the best athletes they can be. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So let me ask you this. Why, if you're not competing at this point, why why do you run? That's that's the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think it's one of those movements. It's one of those activities that nothing else in life can can compare. Riding a bike does not compare. There's just something about filling your lungs and expanding your lungs as far as they can go, and the rhythm of the run is really. I think it's a key to my brain. It opens up a lot of lights and helps me to think clearly and solve problems. And, um, it's just kind of my time to, to, to think a lot, um, or to not think at all and just to move and, and enjoy the feeling of, of just moving my body. Um, and, and, you know, the camaraderie of it too. I mean, I love to run alone, but I, I love running with, with friends. And it's one of those things that brings people together because um, pretty much everybody can run at least a couple steps or here or there. But to to recognize that whether you're running a 10-minute mile or a 5-minute or a 4-minute mile, it's the same motion. You understand what, what's going on. One hurts a little bit more, but it's all relative. And it's one of those things that a lot of people can just relate with. Um, so I, I really enjoy now that I'm older, um, I, I really enjoy the social aspect of it and, um, and, you know, going to races with friends and, and just having that, that fun time where everybody's doing the same thing and, and enjoying each other's company and, you know, getting a good workout. Uh, I, I think that's, that's why I continue to run. You actually had a mentor up here who who was a doctor and th- that apparently you learned a lot from what's mm-hmm. one thing that you can share that you think was the most valuable thing you could learn from the, from your mentor? Well, Hugo Mayoko was, uh, he was just an amazing, an amazing person. I mean, that's bottom line. He, he, he changed my life and he taught me, he totally did a paradigm shift for me in terms of it. He, he was very qualitative in his approach. I mean, yes, there's a time for a stopwatch and yes, there's a time to be concerned about numbers, but he was more on the, the feeling of running. And a lot of what, how I coach is are things that he just taught me. And one of, one of the things that he taught me most was 
it's all about love. And that sounds really funny and it's not fluffy at all, but it really is when it comes down to it, it's about love and you have to find that love of the sport. You have to really love your body and you have to love it. It really is. It's a, it's a very simple, but also very profound, um, kind of concept. And, you know, it's, I mean, we, we would meet every, every week on the track and walk and talk. And that was the workout. And originally I thought he was going to be my coach and give me workouts and time me and all that. And he just wanted to watch me run. And in watching, he would give feedback that, that allowed me to free myself up from being a slave to the watch. And it made me a different runner because I got real obsessive compulsive about, Oh, I, I got to know how many miles and how fast, and I got to make sure I'm working really hard. And, and his thing again was recovery. He really helped me to, to find the love in running and not, not the have to, but the get to. And when, when you realize you know, what a gift it is to be able to do that and to move freely. And it's, it, it's a, it's a game changer. And, uh, he left me with a, a, a visual picture of a cheetah. And when you see a cheetah running out in the wild, I mean, that thing is as beautiful as they get just going as fast as they can. And it just looks like they're floating. And then he asked me, do you ever see a cheetah holding a stopwatch? <laughs> no. <laughs> They just are running and they love it and they're, they're out there, you know, they're going for a prey, but they're just running. Yeah, that's very, very well articulated. And I appreciate you sharing that. Well, before we wrap this up, if you could put together a dream team of people to help you heal better fast, who would that be and what would it look like? Uh, I think you have to have your, your definite five, your gang of five support network or, or so. And I haven't said this you know, already, but you have been instrumental in keeping me healthy when I was really trying to, you know, train at the high levels and putting in a lot of mileage. Um, having someone like you with your knowledge and background in knowing runners, but you have a different sense and I don't know what you call it, but you have a different sense of being able to, it's almost like a, a healing sense in a way, but having someone that, that knows, you know, the anatomy and, you know, the active release techniques and, you know, the Grafton and just helping make sure you're balanced and aligned. I mean, that, that's, that's really key. That's essential. I would say somebody needs to have like uh, a one time a week with a chiropractor, um, somebody that does some of those, those techniques. A sports psychologist would be great because not every coach is trained. And I, even myself, I feel like there's so much that I, I want to learn and explore that even to more of a, a higher level. But that, that person can be very instrumental. Um, definitely a coach. I mean, it's really hard to coach yourself. Even if, you, even if you're the best coach in the world, it's hard to coach yourself. So um, having someone that can either pull the reins or, you know, crack the whip and then having your support, your, your parents, like, or, or whoever it is, your spouse or somebody that can be um, 
kind of an unbiased, but just a more of your cheerleader kind of a person. I also think people need to be, they need to know themselves well too. And, um, and be able to listen to their own body. Well, I really appreciate that. That's uh, I take that as quite a compliment. And I've really come to rely on my hands and it's, it's served me well, or my patience well, I should say. But anyways, I appreciate that. I, <laughs> I want to thank you. Well, it's been a great interview yeah. and you've really shared some great you know, golden nuggets with us today. And I really appreciate you taking your time out of the day today on, on your birthday to be with us here on this interview yeah. and really share you know, what I think are, are some game changers. If, if people listen to this and really understand it and apply it, you know, it's, it's amazing what you'll accomplish. So I really want to thank you for your time. Well, I always enjoy talking with you, Dr. Pound. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com.